there, I'm Becca Campbell, your pediatric sleep consultant. Welcome to the Little Z Sleep Podcast, where I am committed to resolving your child's exhausting sleep habits. In this episode, it is a lot different. Maybe you looked at that timestamp and were like, oh my gosh, Becca, one hour. <laughs> yeah, girl, we are getting ready to talk together for one hour about toddler sleep. Now, we are going to cover things like locking the door. Is that a good idea? A bad idea? We're going to talk about my thoughts on melatonin, nightmares, how to handle their ideal wake times, what if you're a solo parent with a toddler, how to build your toddler's confidence, like all the things. Honestly, my hope is that you leave today's episode and can make many changes in your toddler's sleep and already start to see the light and see the relief and feel the peace just with your toddler tonight. And I really believe that this episode will give that to you. Now, a little context, this was actually an IGTV interview. So think of this podcast flipped on its head. I actually was interviewed by Maylin over at Raising Good Kids. And she asked me these questions that her audience asked her. So it is a Q&A format where Maylin is asking me questions and I'm answering very deep dive. So enjoy this episode, savor it, take it in, listen to the action taking steps and keep me posted. Seriously, send me a DM at Little Z Sleep. Tell me what you think about this episode. Screenshot it, share it on Instagram and tag me. I want to know that this is making a difference in your family's life because that is the goal, to help you make sleep a thing. Enjoy this conversation with Dr. Maylin. Hey. Hey. How are you? Good. Good to see you here. I am so excited to be talking with you. Oh, morning, getting back on routine, and I was like, oh, what a perfect time for us to schedule it to just get us, like, through the day. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, d- I find that um, I read it perfectly this morning. An email that I opened up said something about this week feels like a fresh box of crayons. Right? Oh, we're like, yes! <laughs> I can't wait to use you and get started. So, oh. I- Wait, what a great start. Okay, so I want to introduce you and then talk a little bit about why I wanted to do this interview with you. And then I have 10 questions, and I know I had been sending you some of the questions. So kind of as things came up or as you have stuff else that like goes off track, that's totally fine. So here's what I know about you. Your name is Becca. <laughs> and you are the mom of two little kids, little ones, right? How old are they? Uh, four and six. Four and six. Perfect. So, and then also the founder of Little Z's and you are, uh, used to be an elementary school teacher and Mm -hmm. we're, I don't know, struggling, but kind of working through those sleep transitions with young kids, just like many of us moms do. Um, and then you went to get more educated about the sleep process and graduated from the sleep sense consulting training and mentorship program. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then since graduating, you have been instrumental in guiding thousands of families with getting a full restful night of sleep. I love my job. (laughs) I do. I love it. I was poking around on your website and saw that you guys have great courses for those different types of ages, which is so amazing because I think sometimes we see so much out there for infants and toddlers, but we don't see as much out there for that preschool age or that like, you know, after four or five age. And yeah. that's when we sort of feel like, oh, we're on our own now. And, and it gets really tricky because now we're adding in those behavioral components and parenting stuff. So I was just so grateful to see that you have all that taken into consideration. Yeah, it was really important to us. We knew it was actually kind of hard for me when we put out our, our newborn, that we put out the baby. It was like, I knew we were going to do toddler and preschooler, but we just 
couldn't just do it all at the same time. Yeah. Um, and I was like, I'm, I'm so happy that we now have this library that from zero to five years old, and even people have used our preschool course for their eight-year-olds and it's, it still works, you know? So um, yeah. yeah, I love the older kids. Um, I don't know if it's because my kids are that age now, but yeah. I love that older stage, yeah. Oh, that's great. And then I was poking around, I was doing some deep digging and so you have a podcast, you have the Instagram account, you have the courses, you have a blog, like you are wrapping us in full service of sleep stuff. So um, I know that your website is, it's little z, little z sleep.com, right? Yep. Mm -hmm. So if anyone wants to go on there and do some poking like I did. And then on Instagram is where I follow you the most at little Z sleep on Instagram. So yes. if anyone is not coming from your site and popping in and joining, I love the reels that you're doing, sharing those schedules. It's so, I've been like screenshotting all of that. <laughs> I can just, um, I love it. I love it. Uh, yeah. Okay. So tell me, what did I miss? What else do I, what else would you like people to know? Oh, uh, I mean, my, our mission is to help make access to sleep help easy and affordable. I yeah. believe it should be something that everybody has the access to get. Um, and that's why we provide our courses and our membership. And I want to make sure that parents know that this is, this is a thing. I say that all the time, like sleep is a thing for a yeah. reason, because we just kind of put it to the back, like, well, maybe they'll sleep one day, maybe when they're five and then you have a five-year-old and you're like, they're in my bed. They're not sleeping. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. And I think, you're, I mean, I think sometimes we think like, oh, it's just part of parenting to be exhausted and tired and have kids that don't sleep. And the more that we learn, it's like, well, that doesn't actually have to be that way. It can be a lot more simple. Oh, for sure. And that's just a survivalist mentality, I think. And it's this weird badge of honor that people say like, oh, I'm tired. When in all reality, if you're exhausted, um, you know, we can get the whole signs of sleep, which we're not. But if you're exhausted and sleep deprived, you are not functioning sure. as a real human was designed to function. I mean, you're just and you're most of all, like your immunity is compromised, your mental and maternal, like that's what I focus on is the maternal health, right? Like you're not going to be um, a happy leader of your family, uh, a, a, a happy employee, a happy boss, like whatever it is, if you're just not sleeping. So I'm passionate about that. Yeah. And then carrying that over too. So I get to see kids who are like in really, you know, dysregulated states and lots of behavioral issues. And oftentimes we can sort of track that back to sleep too, because we think about how we function on low sleep. I mean, imagine when our kids are, they're up several the night and they're not sleeping either. They're really not functioning at their optimal either if they're tired. Oh, for sure. For sure. I'm, I'm absolutely with you. And somebody here is like shooting up all the hearts and it makes me really happy. Like, yes. <laughs> yeah. Fly up. Yeah. Okay. So let me tell you how this came about. And I kind of gave you a little bit of a snapshot of it, but I am a huge proponent of being respectful and empathetic and coming up with behavioral situations for our kids that just feel right within our stomach and our gut and just, you know, really respect the process of our, our children and our kids and their needs. Um, and it's come up before clinically with me and also with friends that I've consulted with and neighbors. And then parent, one of the, the big magazine, like the big Instagram accounts had published this thing about a genius trick for locking your kids in their rooms. And I mean, that's dramatic, but flipping the lock around and locking the door as this really great solution for sleep. And it infuriated me because it's just, it just breaks my heart to think of the responses that we're creating and the patterns. And I get that people, you know, when they're tired or when they're desperate or they've ran out of options, they might go, well, maybe this could work. And what really sparked my interest was people were going, well, then what else can we do? And this is all we have. And, and so I really empathized, I suppose, with the parents who were going, 
I don't know what else to do. And this is, you know, we've got to get some sleep and I think that this might work. And so I know that there are much better strategies and this is where you come in. And I thought, what a great opportunity because if this is happening and people are thinking, well, maybe locking the door is my best next move, potentially we can add some value to say, well, let's try some other things that might have less of a negative effect. So tell me, what are your, have you heard of this strategy before? What are your thoughts on using that as a strategy? Just so I'm not like the only one fired up about this. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. I think it's kind of, I actually equate it when a, when a parent of a baby says, well, I'm just going to do cry it out. Yeah. That's neither one of those are plants. They're not a plant. Like you, you have this like quick little, like, I'm just going to do this. That would be like me saying, mm, I'm just going to eat vegetables tomorrow with like no plan of like, let's do this. Then let's try this. Let's make like a holistic approach to like exercise. And I equate everything that I pretty much do to like a personal trainer or healthy eating because we get that, right? Like we kind of understand that. But when it comes to um, saying you're just going to lock the door, I've absolutely been on the phone with clients and they say like, well, I've done that in the past. I'm like, well, I, I hear you did that. Obviously, yeah. we're here now talking about yeah. making change, but yeah. it's doing nothing to really build like the, the why this is happening. It's not solving the root cause. It's a temporary fix. Just like when somebody says, I'm just going to do cry it out. That is yeah. a seemingly temporary fix with zero steps of action that are going to end in more tears by everybody because there's no plan and or understanding about what you should actually do to help build your child's confidence that they can sleep. Yeah. So I love that word confidence. I hope we can talk about that more too, but I think you hit on something that is a quick fix. And so I think people get really excited because it is like a quick, it's a quick uh, response and a quick fix. They go, Oh, that worked. Mm -hmm. I think get to see is the potential damage that that does and the potential lack of confidence that we see from that. And yeah. you know, we've got so many messages from parents saying, Hey, my pediatrician suggested that. And I just had, pit in my stomach that it just didn't feel right and I get yep. those things with like the cry it out method or the locking the door method and so that was like you got to listen to that but that is such a great like instinct feeling that we have if anybody ever gives a suggestion to do and it just doesn't sit right it doesn't feel right it doesn't build your connection with your kid, it's probably not the best strategy so yeah. My motto is if I'm going to oppose something, I have to propose something. So I would like to officially oppose locking those doors on our babes when they are trying to get some sleep. And as a response to that, um, we've got to come up with some better ideas. So for sure, the one question that came and I mean, I looked at that question box and got like 50 questions within about three minutes. And the one thing I saw over and over and over again, and this happens for me too. So full disclosure, I have two littles. I have a six-year-old and a three-year-old. My six-year-old, we did a little more strict sleep training with. My three-year-old, we're kind of just like rolling with it a little more. But we struggle with this too. So the question that came up for multiple parents was, my kids are up in the middle of the night and they come into my room. What should we do? What's the best response for that? So when a, when a family says like, oh, my child's coming into my room in the middle of the night, what do I do? Um, again, you're looking for the quick fix. You can do nothing. And this may not encourage somebody. You can do nothing right then. You can't. Like if your kid is in your bed in the middle of the night, you can't be like, get out, go to your bed. That's not the time to decide to make a change. But the next day, what I would do, um, children learn best through role play. They, they learn best through like practicing things over and over again. So um, a free thing you can do is practice 
how we go to bed. You can even grab, um, we have some free bedtime cards. You could just draw them or print whatever kind of clip art you want on your own. But basically what we want to do here is teach your child. I have like four main things we want them to do. We want them to lay down in bed. Right. We want them to be quiet, close your eyes, and stay in bed till the clock, which is another tool that we use, until the clock turns blue, pink, whatever color you want. And children have to learn through playing like this. They have to learn through like, okay, these are the rules, but like, let's practice them. Because again, you can't just put a list of rules in front of a child. It's like, don't come to mommy's bed during the nighttime. Well, what's the reward if I don't? What's the consequence if I do? And how am I supposed to do this anyway? So the first thing I ask parents to do is to practice. Like, okay, print out these things. Uh, I have a picture of like a child laying down like, you know, peaceful it. in bed, like, um, and yeah, it, yeah our, if you just go to littlezsleep.com and scroll down, it's a free toddler bedtime card. So that's what this is. Okay. Um, but you, anyone can make essentially what we're saying here, just even drawing it. And so you want to practice with your child what that's like. Can you show me what it's like to lay down in your bed and don't just have your kid do it. You should do it too. Yeah. Like show what, show what that looks like. Like go to your child's room and like lay down. Okay. I'm going to pretend like you, okay. I'm laying down. Okay. I'm closing my eyes. Okay. I'm being quiet. And I love tools like clocks, like the hatch clock or any type of training. Yeah. 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 Any type of training clock is great. There's no like, this is the right one. I talk about the hatch because it's the most common. Um, but we want to practice like that's the end goal. Again, no child has a concept of time. Like, well, in the morning, well, what's the morning? They may wake up at 4am where in there and they're in a light sleep stage and be like, well, I feel good. It must be morning, right? They have to have a cue. They can't read numbers. That's where colors comes into play on a like clock. So um, I typically teach blue or pink or purple morning time. The other reason I like the hatch is that the birds chirp. So it's more of a signal. So you just want to kind of practice these expectations. If you don't have expectations, it's really easy to start that today. We've got several hours until bedtime. You can literally today go to your child's room maybe before dinner and talk about okay so tonight you're going to stay in your bed all night long chances are they're not because yeah. if they have a history of coming to your room they're going yeah. to but I like to set the bar high and like right. have them know like yes you can do it so you're going to walk them through like the visualizations of this. You're going to role play and practice what it's like to lay down, close our eyes, be quiet, and then play with that clock and let it fake turn green or blue or whatever. And like, oh, yeah, it's morning time. Good job. You get a sticker. You get a prize. You get a whatever. I'm all about rewards. It's great. Yeah. Do you recommend using those types of like rewards, coins, prize, tokens? Yeah. All the things. All the things. I think that. Children, everybody is motivated by prizes and rewards, right? We set goals for ourselves and like little good things along the way. This is the child's goal, but you, you can't expect, that's why I like these four steps. You can't expect the child to accomplish all four of these in one night. It's never going to happen. There's a reason that sleep training preschoolers and toddlers is like a 21 day process because it takes time. So you can start small. You can practice all four of those. And like, this is what it is, is what it looks like. But I love stickers. I don't know why kids love band-aids, but they do like band-aids, like any, you do not need to go like buy the whole store. And I actually like experiences. I talked about this over Christmas break. My four-year-old was scared of the dark. And um, she just went through this like little phase where she was scared of being in her room. And she would come open up the door and close the door in the morning time and like call out for us. And she likes quality time, but I don't use that as a prize because 
we always can have quality time together. But I say, I said, um, but we can have a picnic by the Christmas tree for breakfast. Yeah, just different things. You don't have to go buy stuff. You can just have these like little extra things. And so I'm all about like, okay, let's practice these steps. What's it look like to lay down, close our eyes, be quiet, stay in bed till the clock turns pink. And then what happens when you do that? There has to be incentive. Otherwise, that's never going to happen because kids want to earn something and they want to feel like they can do it, which is confidence. Yeah. How long do you spend having that type of incentive on board? Is it like until it gets regular systematic or is it forever? Because I think parents here are like, oh, I don't want to be giving them like a toy every single night for till they're 20, you know? Oh yeah, definitely not. And I, I was um, talking with a mom about this last week. It's like, like potty training. You yeah. don't give M&Ms to your kid every day for like years, you know, like it's, it's a very short lived thing. And then there comes a time when it's like, that's just the, that's just the norm now. Right. Yeah, and we all know that like the kid just kind of like, they start to sleep through the night. They're doing great. They're feeling good, which is really the reward in itself is that they're, they're feeling good. You're feeling good. You're happier. And we're good here. You may, and it's normal that you have to go backwards and like revisit maybe a few months later, revisit those rewards because kids are not robots. So they're going to go through little dips every now and then, but you know what works. And I would, I would tell a family if they've said like, Oh, well, I tried stickers and it didn't work. I, there, every child is motivated for something and you just have to find out what your child is motivated by. That's, that's what it is. I don't do food. That's the only thing I say, like, let's yeah. not do like candy first thing in the morning. Yeah. Um, but you know, little incentives like that in my program, I start them in the second week. Um, because the first week I'm not expecting your child to sleep at the night. It's not going to happen. But in that second week, we can like really talk about that. And that's a goal now. And once they do that, and once they get to those things, we can start to reward them. Um, and just like little incentives like that. So just because we're talking about rewards, because I love to just cover all of our bases. Yeah. What are your thoughts on so for for when we do like behavioral rewards, they never like lose it. But there are sometimes where consequence of behavior. Do you ever implement any type of like taking a thing away if those four things don't happen? Um, so that's a good question. Yes and like no. Yeah. Um, yes and no. I, um, there, there has to be consequences, right? Like that's part of life. There's consequences to things. No, it's not locking the door and turning the lock around, but right. removing, removing yourself from the room. Like I have to take a break or I'm going to go to the bathroom or I'm not going to the bathroom. That's actually like a check strategy, but like, Hey, you're not doing these four things. I'm going to step out of the room and I'll be back and we'll, we'll try this again. Right. And, and sometimes you need that space for a child, but sometimes it is removing things. Like I'm thinking about um, uh, throwing a lovey is a good example, or like being very blatant about like throwing my stuffed animal across the room. Yeah. Okay. You can have three chances. Like I will come hand it back to you, hand it back to you, hand it back to you. If you're still throwing it, I'm going to tell you on that second time, yeah. When you keep it with you, you may have it. If you throw it out, it comes with mommy or whatever. And right. we're really big on those when and if statements, because if you do that and they're going to do it, of course they are like, right. Oh really? You're going to take it. Exactly. Yeah. But yeah, sometimes it's removal of a stuffed animal. Sometimes it's the removal of, um, a blanket. If they're like, um, a if it's blatant, right? Like there has to be a consequence. For doing yeah. 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 And it sounds like the, then what would happen is if those four things didn't happen, let's say they come in your room in the middle of the night, then it's not like there's a punishment or consequence. It's just the reward didn't doesn't happen. 
Exactly. Yeah, exactly. And, and they know that, right? And, and what I like to do when you are in the sleep training process, I don't have anything except for like a little jar of lotion handy. But basically, like, if you had a little Hot Wheels car, right? right. Um, hey, this is your prize, like waving it in front of their face. Like, I, I actually tell parents to do that. Because the child, you have to tell the child over and over and over and over and over again, we all know that, until it clicks. Yeah. And so if you show them that prize all throughout bedtime routine, all like, hey, when you stay in bed quiet until the clock turns green, you get this prize. They have to be reminded of it. Sometimes it works to even put it on the child's um, like nightstand or shelf if they have like good control, you know, like I'm not going to get it until morning time um, so that they have that reminder. But yeah, if they get up in the nighttime and, they, and they're not following and they're not abiding by those four expectations, then okay, the Hot Wheels is removed and we'll try again tomorrow, right? Yeah. And I, you know, something I heard you say, which I think is so great, and we do this kind of adjacent to like behavior training, is we never try to put in a new intervention when they're like distressed or when there's a bit tantrum or, and I kind of didn't even put those two things together that when they're coming to you in the middle of the night, that's almost the same as when they're in the middle of a tantrum and you would never go, let's talk about how to calm down, you know, like we just get through it. So I mm -hmm. love that's what people ask about is like, well, how do I fix this when they're coming into my room in the middle of the night? And I loved what you said about you don't. <laughs> like, that. Not, that's not the time to be using your interventions at 3 in the morning when, no. <laughs> like, just call that a night that it didn't work and then try again the next day. Yeah, that's, uh, it's, it's like, it's, yeah, like you said, you're not going to try to stop a tantrum. You're also, like, you're not going to say, I'm going to lose 50 pounds tomorrow. You're not yeah. going to do that. Like, you're going to make a plan, be like, okay, tomorrow I'm going to clean up my fridge. Tomorrow, right. I'm going to get an accountability. Like, you're going to like make these small steps that will eventually get there. But I think we put too much pressure on like our kids when we're doing that. They're like, you've got to change now. And um, I want it. Don't you want it? They yeah. don't know yeah. that. They don't yeah. know. And babies, you can sleep train a baby and see a difference within like three to five nights. Yeah. Not toddlers and preschoolers. Like very, very different. So, yeah. So then tell me, how do you ever recommend walking a child back to their room in the middle of the Okay, so you wouldn't just like, oh, all right, we give up. So you'd recommend taking Right, but that's um, another good point about like the whole like, you know, one night deciding not to do it anymore. Um, yeah. Something, and I think I shared this with you when we were talking on DMs, like a lot of what I share is not like scientific research for your five-year-old on how they, like we know that they need sleep, but it's strategies and it's, it's habits. And so one of the things that I discovered over the years of working with like hundreds of preschoolers was like, oh, you know what? If your child is expecting dad, and I found sometimes with the older kids, it was actually dad that was a little bit more like the one helping a little bit more. Um, the dad would go in and like burrito wrap the kid back up, right? Like, you know, like oh, my tucky went super, super tight. Well, yeah. guess what? Like your child was actually waking up in the night because they were looking for like, oh, I need to be tight. I can't sleep. And this dad comes and wraps me up again. And, yeah. and calling out for dad didn't do anything. So I'm just going to go and sleep with dad, right? Or something. So in our program, we actually talk about like, yes, you do walk your child back, but you actually cannot always walk them back. You have to, again, confidence. There's points where you have to be like, okay, now I'm going to walk you here and then you're going to walk the rest of the way. Or yeah. I'm gonna, now I'm going to stop here and then you're yeah. going to walk the rest of the way. So yeah. practicing those small steps. That's a great idea. So, so this week I'm kind of launching into confidence and I know you had talked about it a little bit with sleep stuff. So in kind of diverting a bit from questions, tell me a little bit how you see confidence related to sleeping. Yeah. Oh, it's huge. It's huge. I think it even goes with babies, but um, really with toddlers and preschoolers, it sounds weird to say that that's the selling point, right? Like when people come to like look at our courses, 
they don't realize that like, oh my gosh, you're right. My child is not confident to sleep on their own. Right. And because of that, they're not sleeping all night. So that's the missing key. And that's always what it is. For a toddler and preschooler who comes to our sleep training programs, they have zero confidence that they can put themselves to sleep, that mm -hmm. they are the ones in charge. And I, I always equate it to um, a car. So figuratively speaking, everybody, I'm not saying your toddler and preschooler is in a driver's seat, but figuratively, um, if you think about a car, let's think yeah. about your child in the passenger seat and you or your partner or it's usually someone. Honestly, for the toddler and preschooler age, it's not a pacifier or rocking or, uh, or bottle. So it's, it's someone. Um, yeah. yeah, someone. Like I have to have this person. And let's say dad is driving the sleep car, um, laying next to the child, rubbing their back or just sitting there patiently. And the child thinks like, oh, my dad has to drive me to sleep. I can't do this on my own. Right. So then, okay, cool. The kid's asleep. Dad drives off to his room, right? Yeah. Then the child wakes up figuratively here. They are stranded with no driver, but they want to go back to sleep land. They just don't know how. And so dad, come back here. I need your help. Okay, here comes yeah. dad. Okay, I'm going to sit here and help you rub your back, tell you it's time to go night-night. Well, of course, your child doesn't know how to do it themselves because you haven't equipped them that they can be in a driver's seat. And all night long, when they naturally cycle every 90 minutes out of sleep, they can do like we do. They can grab their pillow. They can readjust themselves. They can go back to sleep on their own, knowing, looking at the clock, like, oh, it's still red, time for bed. It's not blue for morning time. Like, they can know these things. That takes time, but yeah. that's why the child doesn't know how to sleep independently. They don't have that confidence to because they're relying on someone else to get them there. Yeah, we're in that right now with my three-year-old, and that kind of jumps to one of the questions. So someone said how to get a three-year-old to fall asleep on their own, and piggybacking on that, right now with my three-year-old, we'll kind of hang out in the room with her until she falls asleep, but what we're noticing is that she'll wake up and be like, hey, where'd you go? Like, you're mm -hmm. not here anymore. Even yeah. last night, like, you're supposed to be there, and you weren't. And so I'm like, girl, it's like, go to sleep. <laughs> but, but in so her brain, that's what she thinks. She was like, you were here when I went to sleep. Now I woke up and you're gone. So around this age is when we started to transition with my son, who's older, where we started him putting himself to sleep. What kind of age would you suggest kids can really put themselves to sleep without you needing to be in the room with them? Four months old. <laughs> That's what we teach. It's four months old. But... But no, it's never yeah. too late. I had an email from a mom today that was like, I have a two and a half year old. Is it too late? No, yeah. I'm okay. serious when I've worked with nine and 10 year olds, like it's not too late. And there's adult sleep coaches. Like it's yeah. not too late. Okay. Unfortunately, I think that we just, we project that on our own. Like, well, if I didn't do it at this one point, I'm too far gone. You're yeah. not too far gone. It's never too far gone, but we can always work on these habits again. And so, yes, if, if someone is helping a child fall asleep at bedtime, they're going to look for that the whole rest of the night. And to them, it's like unfair because it, it's the same sleep. Like I yeah. still got drowsy and fell asleep and now I'm up and I need to get drowsy again. Where are you? It's this, it's just that cycle over and over again that in our adult minds, we're like, come on. Yeah. <laughs> no, but sleep. I, yeah. Because I think even with my three-year-old, I see it where she's like, Hey, you were here. I fell asleep. I woke up. Now you're not here. And so she's like kind of trying to figure out where you went. But in my mind, I'm like, go back to sleep. So I think we have two different agendas. She's trying to figure out where I am and I'm trying to get her to go back to sleep. So it's reassuring to hear that, you know, when kids even, I think we have that big transition from the crib to the toddler bed where we sort of get a little bit of like in that nurture state again, mm -hmm. uh, that got us stuck. So it's great to hear that three years old is fine for them to be falling asleep.
Oh, uh, 100%. And I love, I had a three-year-old last year. Um, his mom sent me um, an email that he woke up in the morning and was like, mom, my, my brain feels so good. He had struggled with headaches before because he was waking all night long. And that is like, I can't even stress enough when you are sleep deprived, when you have broken sleep, we, I don't have to tell you it's backed by science. It sucks. Yeah. Like broken sleep is horrible for our yeah. health and development. And we think we can, we can, we can deal with it. Like, oh, I'm just going to go in there real quick and help my kid. But that child is getting broken sleep. And 75% of our growth hormones are secreted when we're sleeping. And oh. if we're getting disrupted sleep, it's impacting that cycle. So it, I'm so passionate about children getting the rest that they need because it just affects all aspects of their life. So yeah. Every yeah, I just I love so much how you tie it into confidence, because I think confidence is so important for everything. And the idea that you could even start the confidence at home, like, I just imagine the confidence of a kid who was like, I know how to put myself to sleep. And I can, you know, I can be in my bed all night, just like I'm supposed to like the idea that they wake up feeling so proud that they did that is just amazing. Okay, so let's so I kind of talked about crib to toddler bed, but somebody asked crib escapes when they move like, their kids escaping from the crib and my son did this super young like really scared so young doing this but um when do you move to a toddler bed what are your thoughts on crib escapes things like that yeah so i teach that if we can wait until three years old that is the best because they do not understand rules and boundaries around an open bed interestingly enough though it's actually boys are like the harder ones yeah. sometimes a little girl could get away with it at like two and a half to three years old but boys i'm like please <laughs> wait until three because they just don't get it now yes uh, of course and that opens up at like my 22 month old is climbing out of the crib like what do i do there's a ton that we can do and it depends on what the room is like what the crib is like if it is your traditional style crib that has like the tall back and the low front yeah. i just want you to turn it around so the tall is in the front. Oh, it's hard idea. <laughs> so easy, so easy. Wedge it into the corner, okay? So like, just, it's not gonna look pretty, but you know what, your kid's not gonna, probably not gonna uh, climb anymore. Just turn it around, shove it in the corner. If you need, if like, if they're still escaping out of the short side over here, then yeah. you could maybe move like a dresser, but anchor it against the wall. Like we always have to anchor our furniture when we're doing any of this. Like let's anchor it against the wall. Yes, you're gonna have to like plop them, you know, in on the side, that kind of thing. But you know what? I would rather have an un-Pinterest perfect room if my kid's gonna sleep all night long and not climb out. So yeah. that is like my number one tip. And then beyond that, we can do things like um, if you have a pack and play, sometimes they can't um, get out of that. But um, my friend texted me a video last week of her two-year-old like tumbling out of the pack and play. So it kind of depends on the situation. Another thing you could do is um, you can try different types of sleep sacks and put them on backwards if they're a little bit tighter um, around their feet. That way they can't unzip it. So we can try a bunch of different things, but like my last resort is to move them because they just are not gonna understand the rules and boundaries and you're gonna wake up more often. Um, and then I actually don't like toddler beds because it kind of opens up this like invitation where yeah. I was like, okay, this was my crib, cool. Now there's a rail off, cool. Now I can escape my crib yeah. even easier. And really, I like to move straight to like a twin or a full or a queen if you have one, like doesn't matter. But if we can go to like the big bed that's uh -huh. less transition for later. And yeah. sometimes in the child's mind, it's like, oh, big bet. I'm going to stay. So yeah. it's sometimes a little bit better for them to like kind of click with. Okay. Good advice. Yeah. I didn't think of those things. Okay. So 
let's see. One of the things that came up, and this is a little bit of a switch gears, but tell me a little bit about your thoughts on melatonin. And I have some personal thoughts on it, but I know when it comes with sleep stuff, this comes up as an option. What I know is that melatonin is helpful for falling asleep, not staying asleep. But we also have research showing melatonin being kind of like a hormone changer, imbalance. So tell me what your thoughts are on sleep stuff with melatonin. Yeah, so um, if anybody out there is watching Matthew Walker's masterclass, I'm obsessed with it. It's so good. It's all about sleep. And he talks about melatonin. And melatonin is like this hot topic word that we're like, oh, my kid doesn't sleep, get melatonin. The pediatrician yeah. recommended melatonin. Yeah. We do not need that for young adults and young children. Like there is no need for synthetic melatonin. We have natural melatonin. Everybody does. The only, the only type of people who would need help with that would be older people. Um, like kind of you're reaching... Um, 50s, 60s kind of thing, like yes, your body isn't even producing as much. And then some children with autism, um, they need some, some melatonin. But pretty much every, every child is good on melatonin. The problem is we think it's a Band-Aid solution. Right? We're gonna go back to that whole like fix it quick kind of situation. Melatonin is a naturally occurring hormone that your body produces to help you fall asleep and stay asleep. So it's right. really for both. And you're, you, you produce it at the um, kind of the tail end of the day, as the sun is getting lower in the sky, there's a part of your brain that says like, oh, the sun is less intense right now. Let's start producing that melatonin so we can get ready for bed. Yeah. And that's gonna help your child fall asleep and stay asleep until it's morning time. And then when the morning time comes, your melatonin is shut production is shut off because the sun intensity is brighter um, and it will kick back in. It's just a whole 24 hour thing. But we don't need to get into the melatonin supplements because it's synthetic hormones. There's really nothing, because it's new, um, there's nothing telling us that it's like great for kids. In fact, there is a yeah. Yeah, there's a little bit of research on it now where they're finding that perhaps in boys it's affecting their puberty. So we just don't really know. And there's no reason. There's no reason that we need this. The only thing you could do, I would say, if you're using melatonin right now today, um, you know, I'm not about quick fixes, but um, you can actually use 100% cherry juice. Please hear me. This is not going to be like, whoa, cherry juice. My kid's going to sleep all night long. But um uh, melatonin is found naturally in cherries. And so if you can get like 100% straight up tart cherry juice, a yeah. few ounces, I would just replace that for your kid. Like maybe if you've built that as a part of your routine, just uh -huh. use that. And even if it's the placebo effect, like, okay, cool. I'm fine with that. But yeah. um, I'm not about melatonin. Um, and, and really because it's, it's available over the counter, it's pretty unregulated. We really don't know how much is in there. Even if the label says one thing, it could be different. So I just say like steer clear. We don't need it. Yeah, I think that's what you know, someone just commented too. I think anytime you mention sleep stuff, people just immediately say, have you tried melatonin? And I think probably like you mentioned, there is a bit of a quick fix of it. So it feels like it works. Um, what I've noticed too, just kind of pairing solutions together is I'll hear kids say, well, I take this and it helps me fall asleep. And so what I end up hearing is older kids, like four, five, six, end up attributing their ability to sleep to the melatonin and not their own ability to put themselves to sleep. So they almost become like dependent on needing that. When our, what I hear you're saying is like, we want them to be confident that they can do it and they don't need that extra, that thing, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And if you want to do something about the child's melatonin, like I said, yeah, you could try the cherry juice, but really I, I ask a lot of toddler and preschooler families to do this, go outside in the evening or afternoon or late, late afternoon 
when the sun is going down, we, we need to be exposed to the sun. Like we just, we need that for our body clocks. And yeah. as you're outside and the sun is getting lower and less intense, again, naturally that's gonna tell your body to get that melatonin going. So yeah. uh, mel melatonin is not something we need to like shove down our children's throats. It is something they naturally have occurring in their beautiful bodies. We just need to recognize that and then go outside to really get those, first of all, energy needs met and then, you know, help them kick in that production. So yeah, it's definitely Definitely something that um, that makes me sad that kids think they depend they need to depend on it because it's yeah. only their own bodies they can do it themselves yeah and trying some other things too I know one of the things trying to, to kick the melatonin and tell me if this is like not even something we should do but we I well, well we need to put a dimmer switch in our bathroom but I heard a thing about like dimming the lights in the bathroom so we'll not turn the bathroom lights on but I'll turn the hall lights next to the bathroom on so it like feels a little bit like it's nighttime instead of like bright lights to bedtime um, and that seems to be helping a little bit I don't do you guys do anything with like dimmer lights at evening time or does that really not play into it some kids, like I've heard some parents say like, oh, my kid really, you know, that bothers them. For my girls and even our, even myself, I don't do that. Like I take showers in the evening. Um, so I'm gonna take a shower at nighttime. I'm obviously gonna have the lights on and then I'm gonna go yeah. to my room and I'm gonna get in bed and maybe for like 15 or 20 minutes I'll read or, you know, talk to my husband right. and obviously we have the lights a little bit dimmer. So if, if yeah. maybe that's a concern, then um, like for our girls, we have what's called star time. They turn on like yeah. these little like, their, their lamps have stars that shine out from them. And so for like 15 to 20 minutes before we say, okay, lights out, we turn their stars yeah. on and they can have flashlights and read books and stuff. Um, that could be something, but it's, it's kind of the opposite, like toddlers and preschoolers, toddlers especially, they need to have like every ounce of energy need met almost to the point where you're like, oh my gosh, I don't think they're gonna go to sleep. We just ran around the house. Yeah, I'm not gonna go run a mile before I go to bed, but your toddler kind of does. <laughs> so yeah. it's just this opposite way of thinking. Sometimes we project what we need on them when it can sometimes be the opposite. That's good to know. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good coach. So, and then tell me a little bit. So nightmares, night walking, all that stuff. So tell me your thoughts on there. One of the questions was about a five-year-old has nightmares and wakes up frequently throughout the night and then won't go back. Um, what are your thoughts on that strategies? And then kind of tying that into night walking. So kids who that might be like, they're not fully awake yet and they feel like they're walking around. Yeah. So nightmares, night terrors, sleep yeah. disturbances like that. Number one cause is overtiredness. Oh, wow. Okay. That's, huh. And while, while yes, night terrors and sleepwalking are um, genetic, like if somebody in your family did, then, then you might struggle with that. But nine times out of 10, it's the child is so tired. They are more prone to being restless, to having these night disturbances um, and night terrors in themselves. The only reason the child has that is because they are, they're overtired and their body is fighting the overtiredness. So if you, and you would know, like a nightmare and a night terror are completely different. If your child is screaming with their eyes open, just fixed on the wall or fixed on something and you can do nothing to help them and yeah. they're not responding, that's a night terror. And it's actually, it's worse if you interrupt it. It's right. better just let it pass, which is always hard, I know, as a parent, but if your child is doing that and or having chronic nightmares, getting them to bed early is your number one fix. It oh. seems so easy, like too easy, but if yeah. you can put them to bed, like maybe 30 to 60 minutes early, depending on what the bedtiming has been for your child, if you yeah. can get them to bed early, you are probably going to solve and stop those things like very soon. 
That's amazing. Okay, and then tell me, like, like walking around in sleep. What are your thoughts on that? I mean, wake them, don't wake them, just get them back into their bed. What are you, What do you think? So, um, kind of similar. There's, um, if that happens, uh, then yes, you know, get them back to the bed, make sure make sure they're safe, all those good things. Um, that is a situation where I've heard people say, like, oh, I have to lock the door because they sleepwalk, that kind of thing. Well. If that is the problem, they probably have some type of sleep disorder going on that we need to fix. Like, get them to bed early. Let's go check out their adenoids or tonsils or something. Like, what's going on? Um, we can have sleep studies done, things like that. But um, if that's always happening. But if, if you, you know, randomly find your child like that, um, yes, make sure they're safe. Bring them back to their room. They probably are sleeping. Um, but then the next night, like, start an early bedtime. I'm a huge fan of that. And, again, that's going to help um, that sleep disorder as well. Yeah, perfect. Okay, so then one of the questions that came up, Sarah, who I see on our live feed, has two adorable twin boys, and believe they're four now. And not only are they super cute, but they're just like, there's two of them and they're adorable, but they share a room. And she had commented, like, how do I get them to sleep in the same room together? Because all they want to do is play. And these boys can just play with each other. Like, they don't need toys or anything. Like, they just talk and play and make imaginary stuff. So how do you get, especially, I mean, while this is a certain, you know, they're twins, anytime, like, siblings are sharing a room, any ideas that you have? And I think you mentioned your, your daughter share a room or? Um, they actually, they used to. But, like, in the last couple of months, we separated them when we moved. Okay. But, Rob, but yeah. This, what do we do? Yeah, yeah, room sharing is so fun. I love it. If our rooms at our new house were a little bit bigger, I would put them together again, and they like being together. Um, but my first question would be Are they napping still? So, after three years old, a child doesn't need a nap anymore, they really only need 11 to 12 hours of sleep in a 24 hour period. So, my first suspicion was like, Hmm, is there a nap happening? Um, because if they're napping during the day, then of course they're going to play when it's bedtime because they're literally not tired yet. So yeah. um, that's the first question I'd ask. If they're not napping, what I would want to do during bedtime routine is give them playtime. Like if they want to have playtime, give it to them. Um, I would do like 10 or 15 minutes built into your bedtime routine where you have a timer set. I love the time timer. It's awesome. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, talks about the time timer all the time they got me hooked on this thing it's so good yeah so get the time timer going have trade off every other day like which boy can t you know put it to number 15 yeah. and um and and let them know okay when it goes ding 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 that means it's time for a book and we're gonna get into bed it's time to go nine nine but you guys can play you can have fun you could yeah. be there with them or if they would rather be independent like that it's totally up to you this could be in the middle of bedtime routine or it could be you're done with your book and you give them 10 to 15 minutes of playtime i'm fine with that again Kids kind of just need that ability to like get it out of them before they go to bed. But we, we having that structure, um, it's called the time timer. Yeah, somebody's asking. But um, it basically having that structure for them to know that like it's okay to have playtime, but yeah. this is when you're going to have playtime. When the yeah. timer is set, this is when you're going to do this. I love that. Like that prescribed time so that they, it's, we know it's going to happen anyways. It's yeah. here built in. And then even maybe when like they're calm to talk about after playtime the four things that we do for bedtime. I love that. Yeah. Would yeah. They are like playing, go in there and interrupt like, okay, the time timer's off. Playtime is done. Now we're supposed to be sleeping. And then you catch them on the monitor, like going around. Do you go in there or do you just let go? Um, I mean, it depends on, I guess, like if it's just for a few minutes, right? Like 
my girls would talk to each other, they'd sing songs, and within 10 minutes, they'd be asleep. And for yeah. a four-year-old, it should take about 10 to 15 minutes, and then they fall asleep. So if you're finding, like, okay, they had their playtime, I said goodnight, lights off, I left the room, they spend about five or 10 minutes talking with each other, yeah. and then they go to sleep, great. But again, with rewards and consequences, I would set the stage. Okay, boys, when you stay in your beds um, until the clock turns whatever color in the morning, you can have blah, 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 <laughs> like whatever it is. Um, yeah. You can have a picnic outside if you live somewhere right. like that. You know, what, like whatever you would want to do, you right. could set a reward for that as well. Right. That's a good idea to add that into it too. Okay, tell me, what are, so I have an early riser. My six-year-old is up at 5 a.m. No matter what time we put him to bed, he's a 5 a.m.er. We finally got him with a bunch of sleep stuff to sleep till six. And six for us is like, I mean, I'm, I'll take six all day. Five is yeah. So, and I had a bunch of questions. People said, what's the optimal wake time? How do you get your kid to sleep in longer? Like, you know, can you help me just get some like basic general about when, when's a good wake time? How do we change that if it's too early? Things like that. Yeah. So generally we're looking anywhere between six to eight. That's a pretty like for a kid. You know, some kids sleep till eight. <laughs> some magical mystical children do. <laughs> I have, um, two people on our team that their toddlers are on an eight to eight schedule. And I could never have gotten my girls on that. Like that's just what it, it wouldn't have actually worked for my life anyways. Yeah. Like I like to get up and get going. Yeah. Um, but you know, for a child for, and, I, I, and I'll kind of just speak about toddler preschooler if they're up early. Um, the very first thing I'm always going to ask is, well, tell me what happens in the first 10 to 15 minutes when they get out of bed, what can they do? Like, my mom taught me when I was five that when I woke up at 5.30, she taught me how to go put a VHS tape in the TV and watch a movie. That's what my mom did. Like, <laughs> well, if I was coaching my mom about me, I'd be like, so let's not do that. <laughs> yeah. Of course, it's more fun to watch a VHS movie than to be sleeping. Absolutely. And she uh, she was, worked a corporate job. So on Saturdays, she was like, I'm not getting up at 5.30. And yeah. so she taught me like how to do that, which seems like an easy thing. But if, if this is a problem, we have to look at the first 10 to 15 minutes. If your child can get up and watch a movie, woo, the first minute they wake up, of course they're gonna wake up at 5.30. Yeah. Um, one of the biggest like crutches that I see is um, milk. If your child can get up and grab a uh, bottle of milk, a sippy cup of milk, a big jug of milk, and down this huge vat of milk before they have breakfast, children love milk, most children do. My girls don't, but most children do. <laughs> and if they can have that, of course they're gonna wake up super early in the morning. They're looking for that, that immediate gratification. And so that's the, that's the first and only thing I have to pick at first is like, tell me what happens in the first 10 to 15 minutes. And usually it's, they get the iPad, they can come sleep with me, they yeah. can have milk, they can watch a show because uh, nobody wants to function at 5 a.m. I don't either. So of right. course watching a movie sounds great. Yeah. So that's how we fixed it with my son. He would just have to rest in his room until six. Like he could do any, he only has books in his room. We don't do like toys. And so he would have to just read books. And so I think he was like, I might as well be sleeping. This is not fun. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> you can watch, you know, we'll watch cartoons together and things like that. So, but yeah, yep. I think for that first 10 to 15 minutes. Yeah. Okay. So we should look for a wake time between six and eight or so anything before then we should be thinking about what are they doing in the first 10 to 15 minutes? Yeah, for sure. And, and I will kind of pause there. It's not that it's okay. Like, 
um, oh, you can wait to six one day and seven the next and eight the next and back to six. Like we actually do want to have a consistent, like we start the day at this time for our, and, and for adults, it's, um, it's like, I like sleeping in on Saturdays and Sundays. I like that I can sleep until seven on Monday through Friday. I get up at five 30 so I can do work before the girls get up, but that's yeah. actually horrible for our bodies. Like we really would do better if we did the same time every day. Um, and children are just going to be like, children don't understand like, Oh, it's Saturday. I could sleep in. I don't know when that magic time happens. Maybe it's like middle school, but that's not happening yet. And so, and we want to start the day at the same time. Um, and biologically children are usually ready for bed between 6 to 8 p.m. and they're ready to get up between 6 to 8 but we are looking even for a five-year-old we're looking for about 11 hours like anywhere between 10 to 12 hours 11 hours um, on average of, of sleep of solid sleep great oh that's good advice too okay so there's two other questions that came up one of them and this has happened to me so my husband travels for work sometimes and I'm by myself and at the time we had a five-year-old and like a you know, and a baby and this keeps someone asked the same question. What's the strategy for putting it down if there's just one parent and you have like a five year old, so they have a little bit more of like an actual bed. And then we have like a three to six month old where they're a little bit more, you know, in the crib and they need you a little bit more for that going to sleep. What are some ideas or strategies you have for those parents who are doing it solo for a little bit? Yeah, we did a whole podcast series on solo bedtime routines. So if anyone's like, yes, then you can just go to our website and search solo bedtime. And we have, uh, I think like three or four podcasts on that because it's a, th it's a, it's a, especially this year um, yeah. with parents, you know, being home together, but also um, some parents having to work late while they're still at home. Um, yeah. That was a, that was a thing. So my, my first thing would be, okay. Um, I'll speak about like, if you are looking to change things, if it's a disaster, um, and you're like, I've got to get my five-year-old and my baby to sleep. We've got to do sleep training. You always want to start with your youngest first because you're going to see the results faster. Um, okay. So that's that. But if your um, five-year-old is a good sleeper and maybe you're working with the baby, then I just want to have an open conversation with your five-year-old. Hey, you know how you sleep so well. I mean, gosh, you fall asleep and you stay asleep and you stay in your room until the clock turns blue. You're so good at that. Your little sister, she's working on it and yeah. I'm trying to help her. So you might hear her in the nighttime. You yeah. might hear her um, fuss. You might hear her cry. You might hear these things. It's okay. Mom's always going to be there. I'm always going to be there for her. But I just want you to also know at bedtime, you know, I'm trying to teach her to fall asleep or I'm trying to work with her. Um, and, and this is going to be just a little different. And I love this term. Um, we're going to be flexible. Yeah. Um, tonight's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be a little flexible. Okay. <laughs> so normally you go to bed at 730. But because tonight's like a little bit different and you just be a little bit flexible, um, we're actually going to go to bed like 15 minutes later. Um, you're going to, you can read books. I can give you my flashlight. Like you can maybe make it a little special for them if you've yeah. got to work on this. If it's an all the time thing, um, I normally don't ever suggest this, but one of my team members, her husband is a police officer and he works nights, I think like four nights a week. And she has a three-year-old and a one-year-old and her three-year-old gets to watch one episode of Bluey while she puts the baby to sleep. <laughs> and she was like, you do this. I'm going to go put... I'm fine with that. Oh yeah. my gosh. If you yeah. need 10 minutes, 15, 20 minutes of screen time, have at it. Yeah. I don't normally say that, but it's fine. You're right? Because like before we have kids, we're like, never. And now we have kids, we're like, whatever works, right? I mean, it works. So yeah. yeah. Okay. I love that idea. And I like the idea of being flexible because we ask kids to be flexible all the time. Hey, we have to run to the store when we didn't think we were. Hey, we're not doing in-person school anymore. We have to be flexible. Hey, my, you know, we're working from home now. Let's be flexible. So I like the idea of just carrying that over to bedtime stuff too. That's perfect. 
Okay, and then this came up too, and I've seen this before. Um, Eight-year-old wants to go to bed with a book, but then stays up for hours reading. So um, I know we do our best not to have any like electronics in rooms, so no tablets, no phones, none of that stuff. But books seem like safe to have to read. But what do we do about those like curious new readers who will just read for hours and hours, and they, they have a hard time then going to sleep? Yeah, so kind of the same thing with the four-year-old twins, like build it into the bedtime routine. Maybe we get into bed earlier. Maybe um, if you've been going to bed at 8.15, let's get into bed at 7.15 or 7.30. So you have a whole hour of reading time and you don't have to do it in your bed if you want to lay, if you want to like build a little fort, if you want to do something like, cool, let's do that. But it's really, really important. And I love the eight years old because you can talk to them about the importance of sleep. And hey, did you know your body grows when you sleep? So it's really important, you know, we want to grow big and strong. We want to be healthy. We want to stay well and not get sick. Sleep is going to help your body heal. And you can talk about the benefits of sleep that like literally when you are sleeping, your body is connecting, your brain is connecting all of the events that happen from the day and sorting through all the other things. Like your brain does a really big job and we have to sleep in order to do that. So, um, and, and you can also even just be kind of silly about like, Hey, the book that you're reading, you might even dream about that because your brain is going to process all the things that you learned today. <clears throat> you can do all these fun little things with them, but I would just build that structure in, get them to bed earlier, let them read for an hour. Great. I love that. And they'll be extra ready to fall asleep. Yeah. And I think maybe that time timer thing would be a good idea for that. Yep. I love that time timer where it like shows the, like the countdown of it sort of, and it's, yeah. it doesn't like intense like you did something wrong when it goes off you know it just feels like it got a little bit of a like a gentle countdown so that might yeah. be for our older kids too hey let's set the time for an hour as soon as it goes off and then like you're responsible for just putting yourself to sleep whenever you know you hear the timer go off yeah for sure awesome okay so tell me how can people get more i know so you know I want to know how we can get more, but then tell me a little bit, like if there's someone going, do I need a, like a sleep study, a sleep issue? Like how do we know the difference between this is just more like behavioral routine. We need to start working on something versus like, Oh gosh, I think we might may be ready for a sleep study or this is kind of really off. Yeah. So if your child mouth breathes either during the day or at night, if they snore, if they seem to be like, if you're like, well, they sleep 11 to 12 hours, but they tell me they're tired like a lot they may have adenoids or tonsils that we need to take a look at. And that way you would just go to an ENT. Like if you're listening to this right now and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, my kid snores. That is not normal. Okay. Um, not to like alarm you, but that is not normal. And I know that, you know, in our culture, it's like the grandpa snoring in the armchair. When we're snoring or mouth breathing, you're your body is not getting the oxygen that it needs. And so your sleep quality tanks. So if your child mouth breathes or snores, or they're telling you they're tired all the time, but they're like, seemingly they sleep fine. Um, you might want to go check out ENT to get adenoids and tonsils looked at. Um, beyond that, if they have nightmares or night terrors, the first thing I would say is like, get them to bed early. If that still happens, then okay, we may need to go do a sleep study. Um, you can talk to your pediatrician about a referral to that. I love pediatricians um, and they're gonna be able to kind of, you know, point you in different directions. But at, honestly, at the base of all of it, I'm not a doctor. I even had a doctor quote me one time in a magazine who said, he was like, 
you don't, you don't have to be a medical doctor to be a sleep consultant. I was like, well, I know that, <laughs> but yeah. like, you just have to know how to work with people and how to solve their the habits. And that's yeah. what sleep training is for. So sometimes we just equate sleep training as like, it's just for babies, but sleep training is way more than that. Adults can be sleep trained, right? Like, we can be taught how to go to sleep. And so for um, up to five years old, even realistically six and seven and eight year olds have used our preschool program to undo these habits. It is never too late to do this. Um, everything that we have from our YouTube podcast blogs, everything is on just littlezsleep.com is where people can find us. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah, I really hope that this gives people an idea that we don't have to be punitive when it comes to those big behavioral changes for sleep. We have such better strategies to use and our being tired and us being tired is not an optimal way to function. It's just not what we need. So yeah. the idea have you and all of your resources to help us out is so valuable. So, yeah, okay. so your website is a little Z sleep.com. Yep. And then we have Instagram at little Z sleep. So people can find you there. And I was even looking through your like highlights tab, find different, like podcast episodes and all that stuff. So I love that if people have like something very specific, they can go. Um, and then maybe people, if there's something, I try to get all the questions answered, but if there's any extra questions, maybe if they can just kind of find you through your Instagram and ask some of those ones that maybe more that we might've missed. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Absolutely. Perfect. Becca, we should do this again. It was so great getting to chat with you. Thank you so yeah, much. Thank you for having me. I hope you'll have a good rest of your day. Thanks for joining us. That was awesome. Exactly. Thanks. Bye. Thank you so much for being here today. If you stuck it out all the way to the end, well, congratulations. This is the longest podcast I've ever done. I would be curious to know if you liked this format. Did you enjoy this conversation and this interview with Dr. Maylin over at Instagram at Raising Good Kids? I had a blast with it. And I, I recognized that during the interview, I was getting so fired up. I was like, oh my gosh, we've got to reuse this on the podcast. It's just too good not to. So I hope y'all enjoyed this. Again, thank you for being here. Sweet dreams. See you next time.